0: for all that you give and do, and the instruction that you give us as well. And I pray, God, uh, today as we again dive into another discussion and topic centered around your word, I pray uh, that your spirit would guide and lead us to see you uh, more fully, to understand how you are working in this world, how you work in all areas of us as well. God, I just pray that your spirit would lead and guide us this morning uh, to show your grace and compassion. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So if you've uh, been around here before, you uh, probably have heard that I do CrossFit, all right? And uh, yes, thank you, one person like that, Uh, because it's kind of a joke, you know, in the sense that... Uh, Nobody has to ask anybody if they do CrossFit because somebody will tell you that they do CrossFit, all right? And one of the reasons that I uh, love doing CrossFit is because it's a community of people. I show up at my class at 5.15 in the morning. Uh, It's about the same 15 to 20 people, depending on who woke up in time to make it to 515. And, uh, and when we get there, we normally come together and stretch and we're still waking up and all sorts of stuff. And about a year and a half ago, uh, I showed up to my normal gym time with the same people, all this sorts of stuff. And we're kind of standing around in a circle, everybody's stretching out. And word had spread at my gym that I was a pastor, which is a unique thing. And for some people they're like, wow, that's really cool. A man of God, man of the cloth, right, sort of thing. For other people, they're like, why does he have to be here, right? And so there's a great diversity in this class. And, and I show up one day, and uh, one of the people ask me in my class, they say, hey, Dave, you're a pastor, right? Let me ask you this. Would you ever marry a gay couple? And my first response was, I'm not awake yet. That's not a fair question, right? No, but immediately what happened was in the circle, there was one person who just chimed up right away, and they said, well, well, love is love. And and who am I to say if somebody else can love somebody or or not love somebody? So I would firsthand, without a heartbeat, I I would do it in an instant. And then another person chimed up, Right away, after that person had said, Well, you know what? If I would have came home from school with somebody who was the same gender as me, my parents would have disowned me in a heartbeat and would have said, There's no way that this is going to happen. They hate the liberals. So, no, that shouldn't happen. And then a couple other people chimed in and it came back to me. All right, Pastor, what do you think? What do you say? My response was simply this, why do you want to know? And today, as we talk about this topic, I want you to see the beauty of that statement. Why do you want to know? We're in the middle of this series called We Pick, or rather, You Pick, Because uh, there were 15 topics on Easter Sunday that you guys selected from. Sermon uh, ideas that we would take a Sunday to talk about. And uh, one of those topics was sexuality and the Christian. How can I be a faithful Christian in an LGBTQA world? And I'll be honest with you guys. Of the five that were selected for those five Sundays, this was not one of those five. This was actually ranked like six or seven. It was close. But I kind of pulled an audible here as the guy who gets to determine what we talk about on Sunday maybe. And the reason that I did this is because I think that this is such an important issue in our context and in our society. It's important for us as the church that we need to be willing to talk about this topic. We need to be willing to discuss this with grace and honesty and truth and compassion. And as a church with a mission who desires to look, live and love more like Jesus, that includes our sexuality as well. God has wired us to be sexual beings. And oftentimes the church has chosen not to talk about these issues. These topics. And so, as a result, we're gonna take one Sunday to discuss it. And we'll keep talking about it, that's my hope and intention. But I wanna begin here with just some ground rules here to state today, because I only have today right around 30 minutes, and I could go on for about two hours or two days on this topic. But here's some of the ground rules that I'd like to set. Number one, this is a starting point, not an end. I recognize that that this conversation comes with deep personal feelings and experiences and all kinds of things. And if there's something that I say that you're really upset about or you don't fully understand or want me to give a little bit more to that, please let me know. I love coffee. I also like adult beverages, all right? We can make some time for both of those things, all right? But also if there's something that like, hey, high five, really affirm that. I really agree with that. That would be nice to hear too on this, okay? Um, But the second thing is this, another ground rule that I wanna bring up is that this is a messy topic and the church has contributed to this mess. When we talk about um, sexuality, The church has done some really damaging things around this discussion and topic. There's been pain and hatred and fear around this discussion. And as a representative of the church, as one who gets to stand up and speak for the church, I want to begin this by saying that the church has a lot to repent of on this issue and topic. And we need to be willing to admit that. We need to be willing to say that that we have taken things too far or we've not been willing to listen and understand. And unfortunately, the church's first step has been one of condemnation. And I think we need to repent of this. And it's because of that, this, this topic... I don't take lightly because because this issue of sexuality has split families. If you've ever talked to somebody who has been wrestling with these kinds of feelings and emotions, whether you're gay or straight or anywhere in between, this has brought division amongst families. This has caused people to take their own life And this has brought division amongst denominations and churches all around the world. Because the reality is that this isn't just a topic of some sort of thing or idea. This is about people. This is about a person or a group of people that you maybe know firsthand. And so today as we talk about this issue, I want... To keep that in mind, that we're talking about people here, not just an issue or topic. Because honestly, this whole week as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about people in my own life too, that I know have wrestled with these things. And my hope and intention would be that we would be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger, as the Bible tells us in James 1.19. The third thing is this, Um, I'm not pretending to have all of the answers. If you think that Pastor Dave knows everything about all of this issue, you are greatly mistaken. But what I am intending to do here today is I wanna show us how uh, myself and a group of our pastors from Trinity, our greater church family, have interpreted the scriptures around this discussion and topic. And lastly, and probably most important, I want to say this, that we need to slow down on this topic. Oftentimes, we put people in places of where, where's your line in the sand? Are you yes or no? And, and honestly, when you talk to somebody about this issue, it's way more complicated than a 20-minute discussion. Can we agree on that? that our sexuality and how God has wired us to be is very complicated in who we are. So these are the ground rules. Anybody wanna leave yet? All right, good, all right, so here we go. Um, I wanna give you three, three points here that how I would discuss this conversation. Uh, number one is this, God cares about your sexuality. Uh, We just read this passage from 1 Corinthians, uh, starting uh, in verse 19 of chapter 6. Uh, It says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Uh, This is such an important passage for us to dig in and understand. Paul, the writer, the author, uh, is speaking to a church in Corinth, similar in a way to this today. He is giving instruction to his people about their sexuality, and he's saying that, I want you to know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What he means by that is, it is literally a place where God is living, so Today, what we're saying is that your body is more holy than this church building and all this stained glass. Your body is more precious to God than any building or beautiful created thing. And he goes on to say that you are not your own as a result. You were bought with a price. That price being that Jesus came and died for you. So honor God with your body. It's interesting because um, the first century Christians, the early Christians, they were known in their, in their world of, um, as people who were stingy with their sexuality, but generous with their wealth. And a distinctive between the early Christians and the pagans, those who didn't believe in this Christian God was that the pagans were were generous with their sexuality and stingy with their wealth. And this is important for us to understand that a distinctive for the Christian life is that we view our sexuality as sacred, that it is not something that is loose or freely given, but because we were bought with a price, because we are not our own, we recognize that sex is a sacred thing and it is beautiful. Now, oftentimes we've just kind of stopped there and like scared people away, all the young people who can't have sex. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. The sex is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that God has created for us to have and use, but in the proper boundary and area in fact, if you were to read the scriptures in totality, you, you would see this theme that, that sexuality is a sacred thing given by God to be put in a right relationship. And the way that I like to, to talk about that is, is like imagining um, playing dodgeball on the freeway. Run with me here for a second, all right? Dodgeball in and of itself is a dangerous game. The older you get, it hurts a little bit more to get hit by a dodgeball. Like if we were to take everybody here and go up to the gym and play a game of dodgeball, your head would be on a swivel, right? You're looking around because you know that balls are coming at you. But the game in and of itself is dangerous. But imagine if we went out to 290 and said, all right, we're going to play some dodgeball out here. It becomes even more dangerous. And the reason is because it's put into a boundary that it was not created for. And I willing to say that, that a relationship, a marriage, in the proper boundaries can be really challenging and difficult. If you all want any sort of reasoning behind that, go talk to my wife, all right? It's challenging and difficult. And I believe that the scriptures teach us that we need to be careful, then, of the right boundary of where these actions can happen. Because there's something sacred and holy that is going on in this moment. So it needs to be in the right place. But then the question becomes, if, if the Bible says that marriage is the place for sex to happen, that that's the proper arena, the big question becomes, well, who can be married in the Christian sense? Is this something that is only between a man and a woman? Or can this be between men and men or women and women? And a primary text that, that we run to is in Matthew 19. It says this I'll give you two of these texts, and I want to talk about these in, in really important ways. And sorry, I've, I skipped this part here in my message. This is important. I need us to understand in regards to this topic that when we slow down and read about Jesus and how he handles our sexuality, it challenges everybody. Justin, I'm going to have you edit that and put that in the front, all right, the right spot. I need you to hear this, that if you were to take Jesus's words seriously, it will challenge everyone who's involved. So I want to dig into Jesus' words. This is what he said. This is the text that we have in regards to marriage. Matthew 19, verses four through five. He answered, Jesus said this, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his wife and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus here is is addressing um, an issue around divorce talking about, that, somebody came and asked him, is, uh, is divorce something that should happen? And Jesus would go on to say that, well, divorce should only happen when abuse happens or adultery or maybe even abandonment. But but the reason I bring this text forward is that this is literally the only teaching that we get direct words from Jesus in regards to what marriage looks like. And And it kind of is a secondary use of this, right? Notice that he says here that, That have you not read that he who created from the beginning made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. What I what I believe Jesus is explicitly stating here is that marriage is a relationship between a Christian marriage, a man, and a woman. And and I believe that one of the reasons that Jesus didn't talk about this in great detail, although I really wish he would have. But, but, I, but what I believe as to why he did this is because historically, Jesus was of Jewish ethnicity. It, there was an understanding that this is what marriage was to look like. But truthfully, I don't even know if this passage holds a ton of weight. I mean, of course, we hold Jesus's words with great s- sincerity, and uplift them. But I want to go to a different passage here in Romans chapter 1. One uh, verse that explains the complexity of this issue. Paul, again, the one who told us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, also said this in Romans one twenty six. for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. The big part of this text that comes with lots of discussion and tons of ink has been spilt is over that phrase right there, contrary to nature. The Greek there, the original language is paraficent. And, and depending on where you fall in line of uh, what is contrary to nature is how you interpret what is Paul referring to here. It, some scholars would say that, well, he's referring to instances of, of rape, and that's what made homosexuality wrong in this time period. Or, or pedophilia, because that was something that was happening in the first century. Or, or the fact that this involved loose nature and uh, prostitution, or there was a lack of procreation. But, but when I look at this text, and when you read historically how people have interpreted this text to be, what they would come to argue is that when we talk about what are contrary to nature... Unnatural relations, what makes it unnatural, believe is that Paul is saying because of the people that are involved. And and I'm just trying to give you a quick overview on this very topic and verse. But if you're really wanting to dive in deep on this text, I think the best book that's available out there today that gives a ton of explanation on both sides of reading the scriptures is this book by a guy named Preston Sprinkle, A People to Be Loved. I would highly recommend this book, and especially looking at this passage in Romans, because he does this beautiful job of holding on to grace and truth and understanding the context of what this was spoken in during that time. And so I see, first off, this challenging part of that historically speaking, the church would confess that marriage is between a man and a woman. But I'm gonna say this. There's another side to this as well. Because if we just stop there, we've missed the heart of who Jesus really is. There's another side to this conversation. Because when we look at the way that Jesus acted, and we look at his posture towards all people, but especially to the marginalized in society, the people who were abused, the people that were spit on, the people that were cast away, we see that Jesus challenged his followers to act differently towards everyone. And that leads me to the next important thing is that you are more than your sexuality. This is so important. If you hear one thing for today, I want you to hear this. That who you are as a person in view of God's light is more than your sexuality. Because what's so fascinating is that in the book of Romans, the passage that we just read, where Paul is going into this argument of talking about all of these things that are happening that are contrary to the way God wants them to be, we need to read Romans in the context of how it was given. And too often, people just go to one verse and point out and say, this is why it's wrong. But I want to show you that what Paul is doing here is he's actually condemning all people, gay or straight or anywhere in between. In fact, he points out in Romans 1, 18 through 32, he sums up and says that that. He sums up the sins of all the Gentiles, all the non-Jewish people. And then if you're not a Gentile, you're feeling good about yourself, then we get to Romans 2, 1 through 29, and he accuses the Jews of being just as wicked. So Jew, Gentile, we're all in trouble, and then he hammers home his point in Romans 3, 1 through 20, by concluding that we're all up a creek. It's not literally what he says. That's my interpretation. But we're all up a creek, Jew or Gentile, since we are under sin. Without Jesus, we're all in trouble. And you've probably heard this passage before in Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned. Raise your hand if you fall into the all category. All right, everybody's hands up. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. What we talk about in the church is this big fancy word known as justification, meaning being right with God, the one who has created us. And in that relationship, it is not dependent upon what I do, but rather dependent upon everything that he has done for me. No one, no one can stand up and say that I have earned the right to be loved by God. But instead, God says that I choose to love you. In fact, a core belief of our church here as a part of our Lutheran church doctrine, comes from Article 4, the Article of Justification. This is written by a guy named Martin Luther. He said this, Also they teach that people cannot be justified before God by their own strengths, merits, or works, but are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith, that when they believe that they are received into favor... It's not when they finally figured out their sexuality. It's not when they finally showed up to church three times. It's not when they finally gave an offering to the church. It's when they believe they are received in favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who by his death has made satisfaction for our sins, the faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. By the way, referencing Romans 3 and 4. Keep in mind the context of what God is saying here to us. And what I want to just embed inside of us as people is that you are more than your sexuality. You are loved more than who you sleep with. You are loved more than the past things that have happened in your life. Your identity is found by what God, or rather, Jesus would say about you something that I remind my kids every single night, that you are a child of the king, and that is in moments when I want to slap them and in moments when I want to hug them. You're still a child of the king because God says so. And and imagine, and I, I truthfully believe that this is something that we have just lost inside of our society and culture. We have equated our identity to our sexual partner. And the church has contributed to this mess in so many harmful ways. We've made statements like you're not complete until you marry somebody or until you have kids. The church has made all of these wrong assumptions to try to drive people into this is how you are loved, but instead you are loved because God says so. Your primary identity is by what Jesus has said. And do you see the danger that happens when we attach our identity to a romantic relationship? When We attach it to someone else. See, the greatest form of intimacy that we have as human beings is knowing the God who created us reminded of this very thing today, that death will come. But there is hope for those who believe. And that is an incredible intimacy that no other person can give you, but only God can give you. Oh, and by the way, if you were to think that, well, I'll be a complete person when I finally get to marry somebody, just go talk to a married person, One, but two, look at the life of Jesus. I mean, he was fully God and he came to give us life to full completion, the Bible tells us. And guess what? He was a single dude. He never got married. And so if we are to say, well, I'm not fully complete until I find somebody that will fully love me, you're missing the heart of what God wants you to experience and see a relationship with Him. You are complete because of Jesus. And this leads to the last thing here. I really believe that in light of that God cares about your sexuality, you're more than your sexuality, I think there needs to be a posture change on how the church handles sexuality. Let me be so bold here. I really believe that we've made statements, drawn lines, and have forgotten the messiness that exists in who we are as people. This isn't an original thought. Um, this comes from a woman named Deb Hirsch. Uh, she wrote a book called Redeeming Sex, um, which is, is a good book. And, uh, and she talks about these two different dynamics that exist inside of churches. Uh, Number one, she says this, there is what's known as churches that are bounded sets. And if you can see on the image here, uh, what that means is that uh, it is hard on the edges, but soft in the center. The idea is um, if you believe everything that we believe, and if you behave how the church tells you to behave, then you belong. Then you can be a part of the community. And with this understanding, there's a clear line of who's in and who's out. And truthfully, the church spends a lot of time determining who's in and who's out. And that is not an example of what I want our church to be. we've spent too much time worrying about in and out. And instead, I would offer a different understanding, Um, one that she would describe as a centered set. It looks more like this. It's, It's a spiral. As you can see, in the middle is a cross indicating Jesus. And And what this means is that there is a hard, well-articulated, and vibrant theological center. We will take the words of Jesus seriously. We will dive in to understand what he said on certain things, never forfeiting what he said on these issues, but be soft on the edges See, with this understanding, it assumes that everybody is somewhere in relationship to the center. The question is not a matter of who's in and who's out. The greater question is, which way are you facing? Are you oriented to the center, to Jesus? Or are you walking away in other words, no matter how far away people are from Jesus, they only need to turn toward Him. Their orientation is the primary concern. See, I know lots of people who know all kinds of Bible facts and trivia and all sorts of stuff. And they grew up in the church their whole life. And I'm not throwing shade at those people because that's my kids. But, but in the end, they turn away from Jesus. And I know a lot of people who know very little about the Bible and anything that it has to say, but they have a love and a compassion that reflects the love of God for people, that they're willing to weep and mourn and cry with the broken, the confused, the struggling. And they might seem so far away, but they are facing towards Jesus, and, and my hope for us would be that we would point people to Jesus, not spend all of our time focusing on who's in and who is out. So back to the beginning. This wasn't my total answer, by the way, at the gym. When they were asked, what do you think about this? The reason I asked that question, why do you want to know, is because oftentimes, when that next question is answered, I believe then you can begin to speak in love and compassion and in truth as well. Because the question that was raised was really, can I be a Christian and be attracted to the same gender? My answer is when you look at the life of Jesus, yes. Because you are more than your sexuality. Your identity is more than that. And at the same time too, God cares about your sexuality. He wants you to know that it is a sacred and holy thing. See, imagine if we lived in a world that began with wanting to know a little bit more as to why someone is asking. My prayer would be that as a church, we would be people who would point others to Jesus Struggling with this balance of grace and truth, and sharing that in many <laughs> different ways. There's no one size fits all in this scenario, a never forfeiting compassion for people in our society. May we find belonging and acceptance because of God's act of justice yet holding on tightly to the instruction that he gives us when it comes to our sexuality. And so, I know that this topic, like I said many times, is filled with all kinds of baggage, it's filled with people that we love, it's filled with confusing conclusions and all sorts of stuff. I really wanna to point to you on your announcement sheet here these three books. These are. I've read many books on this topic and I will continue to. If you have a book recommendation that uh, is around this topic, that is something that has spoken to you, I wanna know and, um, and I would love to, to read as well. But my, these are my top three. Um, the one I already referenced, A People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle, Messy Grace by a guy named Caleb Kaltenbach, He has an incredible story of uh, his parents at a young age, uh, got a divorce and they both went on to uh, marry people of the same gender. And he was at pride uh, parades where people, where Christians were um, unfortunately spraying urine on people. And he saw firsthand the damage of what the church does in these relationships. And he himself is a Christian Uh, And he talks about that impact, and ultimately his parents are believers as well. And then last uh, but not least, homosexuality and the Christian. If you're more of a a brainiac that really likes to dig into the psychology of this, I would highly recommend this book, Mark Yarhouse, um, as just three three teaching uh, points and books to address. But I want to pray for us. Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God of love and compassion, one who... Um, in, in a beautiful way loves us beyond our, what we do but loves us because we're created by you. And I pray, God, um, I pray for, for us just to slow down on these large issues and topics. I pray, God, um, when I look at, at how you acted, who you were, who you spent time with, um, you had care and compassion for many, for all. Okay, and yet, God, you. you also yeah. never forfeited the truth. And so um, that's tough, God, for us to do in our society and culture. And as we live in, in a time that, that just seems to want to move truth to be only what we want it to be. I pray, God, that as people of faith, that we would point not to, to our own beliefs, but, but point to what you have said, but do that out of compassion and love and not out of arrogance. God, may we continue to wrestle. May we continue to be willing to talk and be open about these struggles and And issues that come, whether it's in our sexuality or in all areas of our life. Because we know, God, that you're not void of those things, but you are working in them. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.